Hi everybody, I'm Jim Ford. And I'm Dan Kurtzke. And this is the Lantern Cast. Episode 78. Yes, 78. And uh, I can't think of anything important that we have to do before we go into the uh, the talking about the comics today. Really? Really? Yeah, just let's go really? right into the comics. Really? talking about the comics. Really? Well, yeah, well, what do you mean? I don't know if you really forgot. Forgot what? You, I, you... You are so full of shit. <laughs> what are you talking about? You, you, oh, you know what? I gave you, I even reminded you in the middle of the week. Reminded me about what? We have a trivia contest oh, to get to. Oh, God. A um, trivia contest? Uh, okay, let's, I'll just come up with some stuff off the top of my head. You're such an ass. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so how are we going to do this? Did you prepare? Of did course prepare? I did. I don't. I know you. Odds are you didn't. The odds are, yeah. I mean, you know, the odds are pretty good. They, they could go either way on that one. I yeah, think. yeah. God damn. So how, how are we working this? <laughs> Let, we'll just go back and forth. You can start and, like, just, just, let's just say, like, so that listeners can play along, let's not answer until all of the choices are read. Oh, crap. You didn't do multiple choice? No. <laughs> You're such an idiot. Oh, my God. <laughs> this is so simple. Okay. Give me a second. Are you going to quick create a bunch of bullshit answers? Yes. Okay. Well, I mean, isn't that what you were going to do anyway? <laughs> I have this all written out, all right? This is awesome, except for this one, but this is uh, go ahead, do your thing, do your thing. Well, that's going to make this a lot easier. <laughs> go on, go on. Yeah. Make up your stuff. You should talk about something while... I should. I should. Oh, you know what? I can talk about something. As we record this, uh, Sean Pryor's Kickstarter goal has been surpassed. Oh, yes. They still have four days to go, and they're at... You know, they had a goal of $3,600. That's what they needed to raise... And they are currently at 3,785 <clears throat> from a total of 108 people. So, you know, that is awesome. Like, it is, I think it was actually like the day, a day or two after we recorded the last episode. But it's, it's great because, again, like, <clears throat> if they didn't reach their minimum goal of 3,600, they wouldn't get a dime out of this. But now that they've surpassed that, that means they're going to get. The whole amount, well, the whole amount in Air Bunnies after, after a Kickstarter and I forget what a credit card does Kickstarter, but they take their cuts. But but no, they they got more than they were going for, and this is that's only going to help them not only put out this first issue, but also help them with the second issue because it's again like the three thousand three thousand six hundred dollars was just to print and solicit issue one of this miniseries. And it's a three-issue miniseries, so you know any any extra they had left over is going to help them out because now they don't have to to rely on just the profit made from issue one. Now they have something else to throw into that pot too, and there's still four more days to go. So who knows what they'll end up with? This is just really really cool news for Sean and for everybody involved with Action Lab. Yeah, Sean is a classy guy, so I, I'm I'm always happy to hear. When he has success. And hmm, what else? 
what else can I use to fill the void of Jim's incompetence? <laughs> uh, oh, well, this you may or may not care about. I don't know. Uh, DC's putting letters pages back in their books. Nope. <laughs> uh, I mean, look, if we're, we're losing two pages of story, I would much rather get some form of content other than just two more pages of ads. But, I mean, it, it, it's, it's kind of weird. It's almost like the... Like, what they have the the special movie sneak previews in the back of the issues now. It's like, in the internet age, there's really not a need for it or a role for it, really. But I've still, I've read new books in the last few years that have had letter pages, and they've been entertaining. Like, like uh, my favorite Marvel book from the last decade was uh, Robert Kirkman's Irredeemable Ant-Man. Every, every issue of that had somewhere between two and four letters pages in the back and it was always it was fun it kept with the feel of the book and it was it was part of the overall experience so and hell if if this book will let because you, you don't get a lot of jeff johns interacting with people that much and i don't know if he would be the one to like answer any of these things but but like that could be if he did answer any of the, any of the letters for the green lantern fans that could be like the standout feature that makes the letters column i guess matter of readers but yeah if you do want us to write into dc you can go to well there's two ways you can do it email www.dcletterspage.com spell exactly how it sounds or you can just like write like a physical letter and send it to to their dc office i'll, I'll we'll put the the link in the show notes or something i saw some people are actually like kind of I don't want to say they were calling like a bait and switch kind of thing, but they were. Some people got angry that like, oh, you're taking away two pages of story because you wanted to save money, but now you're using it on letters pages instead of more ad space. So you're not saving or making any additional money to cover the price drop. But I don't know. That's to me. To me, that argument doesn't hold water at all because that's two extra pages of content you're not paying a team of people to create. It's just the editor like, copying and pasting some Word documents together and putting it in the book. Okay. Are you are you ready now? Yes, I am. God, hate you. All right, so, yeah, let's do this. You start. Okay, so we're going back and forth, and I start, and then, you know, I'll read all the answers, and then you can guess, and then... You'll do yours, and we'll just go back and forth. Yeah. Okay. First question. In Emerald Twilight, Hal Jordan recreates Coast City with his ring, and he interacts with some of the people. Who did he talk with? Oh, let's see. He talked... One of them was his... Oh, yeah, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I totally forgot the rules. (laughs) (laughs) I hate you. (laughs) Uh, Now you know what it feels like. Okay, so, uh, option one, his mom and dad and ex, Jennifer. Number two, his mom and dad and ex, Jessica. Or three, his dad, his mom, and his cousin, Julie. You read them again? Yes. The first one is his mom and dad and ex, Jennifer. The second one is his mom and dad and ex, Jessica. And the third one is his dad, his mom, and his cousin, Julie. It's the first one. Yes, it is. Yes. 
<laughs> now, was that a complete guess or what? No, no. I rem- I remembered it was an... I definitely remembered his dad. I didn't remember his mom was there. And I remembered an ex-girlfriend. But I'm like, oh, God, um, is it... And I was just trying to think, like, like, did either of those two names for the ex-girlfriend, like... For some reason, I felt, I'm like, I think it's that one. I, it, it's, it was kind of a guess, but not a complete guess. It's 95% not a guess. How about that? <laughs> okay. All right. Now, I have four options for you. So. Oh, boy. <laughs> you didn't All even right. follow the rules yourself. I said A, B, C, D. Thank you very much. Uh, whatever. All right. Well, so we know Jon Stewart has a military history with the Marines, right? Yes. But when did that become a part of his character? A, it was added immediately following Crisis on Infinite Earths. B, it was retconned into comics after it was done on Justice League Unlimited. C, it first came up during the series Green Lantern Mosaic. D, it was always part of his character from the beginning. I'm going to go with D. D, it was always part of his character from the beginning? Yes. That is wrong. Really? Yes. It came from, uh... Fr- it was for Sun and Justice League, the cartoon. Really? Yeah. I was surprised, too. I I did extensive fact-checking on this one. Wow. Yeah, I don't know much about Jon Stewart, but... Huh, that's weird. I know, because I was trying to think of questions. I'm like, all right, I wanted to do something about Jon... I'm I'm thinking about like okay what do we know about him what and I started to realize I'm like you know I don't remember references to his military career going that far back like like it's it they bring it up all the time in the current series but I don't really remember it before then it's yeah. always been like the architect thing yeah I don't know I feel like that's I feel like that's a questionable one. I feel like if I, I feel like if I do enough research, like, did you find like hard concrete evidence that the cartoon, like, put that into his character for the show? Like, I, like, what what do you qualify as hard concrete evidence? I don't know, like an interview with uh, anyone from the show. I didn't find anything like that. I just found I found every. What are you What are you doing right now? <laughs> oh, I was moving the mic. Oh. Don't do that. <laughs> I looked up every shred of information about Jon Stewart I could find from every reputable source I could find. I looked back through my own collection, and I could not find... Like, I found a couple places that said it started with the Justice League cartoon, yeah. and I, I could not find anything to disagree with that. Okay. So, so, so there we are. Okay, you win that one. <laughs> okay. In the second series of Green Lantern, issue 150, the Green Lanterns must face the antimatter Green Lantern Corps. What is the name of the main Quardian bad guy? Oh. Okay. So your options are Lupnulu. Oh, God. Snilly. Or Rignillo. It almost sounds like your mic is cutting out, but I know it isn't. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, what what are their names again? Is one of them Jennifer? Can I pick that? <laughs> yeah, yeah. You could pick it. That that'll be your choice D. Okay. 
Lipnilu, Sitnili, or Rignilo? The first one, I think. Yes, that would be incorrect. Ah, oh, damn it. It's actually Sitnili. Ah, uh, of course it is. Yes, but you actually read that. I did. <laughs> so, that's a fair game question. <laughs> that is, that is. I should have known you would have you taken something from that issue, too. You, t- you bring it up, like, every five days. <laughs> like, seriously, like, <laughs> you, you really should have expected something from that issue. Yeah. All right, all right, how's this? Okay. Uh, well, do I want to do that one? <laughs> all right, you know what? Speaking of names. Yes. Let's cut to this one. Both of us pretty much consider Miri our favorite star sapphire. Yes. What's what's her last name? Um. Eh, eh, Oh, that's right. You forgot that I got the multiple choice. Yeah. Yeah, And I don't know how to pronounce any of these, so those should be fun. A. Crin. B. Riem. C. Ara. D. Na. Uh, Riem. That's correct. Yes, Mary Riem. Yes. I, I probably would have been able to come up with that on my own. Oh, all right. <laughs> yeah, the rest of those, I just found a list of, like, the real names of the Legion of Superheroes, and I just pulled... <laughs> <laughs> the real Legion of Orange County. Yeah. What? All right. <laughs> the, the real Housewives of the Legion of Superheroes. How about that? They could probably do that, actually. <laughs> and it would fail. Just like the TV shows. <laughs> okay. Um... I, th- I think this is a question that you would get a kick out of. Whether or not you would get it right or not, I don't know. But uh, after Emerald Twilight, which race colonized Mogo? Go on. Your options are the Riesel, the Sobel, or the Dominators. It's not the Dominators. I'm trying to remember, because I think that's that story where... That's a, that's the story where Jade and Kyle go there and they don't realize it's Mogo until towards the end and they wake him up. Yes. How do you say the two of their the other two? The, are they? the Riesel or the Sobel? The Riesel? The Sobel. The Riesel sound meaner so I'm going to say the Riesel because they were kind of dicks. Yes, you are correct. Nice! <laughs> <laughs> it sounds meaner. Oh god. Yeah, yeah. I guess next time I come up with random words off the top of my head, I should make them sound meaner. Yeah, you should. (laughs) (laughs) That was seriously, like, the biggest clue. Oh, boy. And I knew it wasn't the Dominators. Yeah. Uh, All right, here's one I thought was interesting myself. Okay. All right, so there's a character that comes up pretty rarely among fans and even less in the actual comics. All right, so the question is, what happened to Jade and Obsidian's mother? A, she killed herself with a knife to the heart. B, she died in a fire on her wedding night. C, she was killed in battle against her own children. Or D, she's still alive and was last seen as part of Luther's villain society leading into infinite crisis. I believe... Their mother was uh, like the the Harlequin or something like that, or Rose and Thorn. She had the split personality. She became the villain Thorn. Oh, that's why Jade. Oh, so like that's why Jade's green and stuff. 
it's chlorophyll. Really? Yeah. She has plant powers, too. They just never use them. My God. I was... Oh, okay. So then Alan Scott's, like, his actual wife was the Harlequin character then. Yeah, like, they're still married now. Yeah. Okay, let's see. Rose and Thorn. No Googling. Yeah, no. Well, I know that there is a Thorn now, but I'm pretty sure that it's another generation. So, that's probably... Yeah, not that. I would... I would probably guess that she was killed in battle with uh, fighting her children. Is that your answer? Yeah. It is wrong. Really? Yep, she killed... There was a battle with her children. Right. But during the battle, she uh, the good personality kind of asserted itself. Oh, and she stabbed herself. She did. She wanted to save her kids, so she stabbed herself in the heart with a knife. Well, that's pretty horrible. It is. That was a Golden Age comic, too, I think. <laughs> Really? Yeah, well, it was it was pre... I believe it was pre-crisis. Because there is a post-crisis. Well, that's that's not Golden Age. That's more Silver Age. Well, yeah, that's true. Golden Age? I don't think Alan's got any kids. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean. So. Oh, well. You really, uh, you're really scraping the, the sides of the Green Lantern mythos for these questions. Hey, you know what? I know I know my uh, my opponent here, so I wanted to I wanted to get something nice and challenging. Yeah. Well, the next one, the next one, I don't think is going to be that challenging for you. <laughs> oh. Okay. But uh, it's it's still a, it's it's a fun question. It, it makes people think that you know it makes people aware that there's not just one answer. What was the very first reason for the yellow weakness in the rings? Ooh. Okay, now, your options are, one, a hypnotic suggestion from the Guardians, two, a floating yellow balloon in the battery, (laughs) or three, a yellow impurity in the metal, take it away and the battery loses its power. I think that's, hmm, I think it's the third one. I feel like all of these are true, but I don't, I think the third one was older. Is that your final answer? Yeah. Oh, I didn't accidentally guess the balloon, did I? (laughs) (laughs) Well, which one is your answer? The the thing about there's an impure like if you take it away, there's no more power. Right. Yes, that's that's correct. (laughs) Yay! Bastard. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, yeah. The balloon I just threw in there. The, the balloon, I, f- I felt like the balloon was you being bitter still about uh, First Flight. <laughs> it actually was. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's hysterical. I was literally thinking about that when I came up with that. <laughs> that's awesome. Uh, um, but the, the, uh, the hypnotic suggestion was definitely uh, a reason at one point. Yeah, it was. It was there was also like a whole like, Maybe this is even the same one where, like, the Guardian's energy was blue and the yeah. thing in the center of the battery was yellow, so... Right. Okay. Uh, this, this one... You, you'll probably get this one. All right. Hal Jordan and Oliver Queen got in one final team-up right before Emerald Twilight. Who were they fighting? A. Flicker. B. Major Disaster. C. 
the combined forces of Gorilla Grodd and Hector Hammond. D, Dr. Light. Say the, uh, the answers again. A, Flicker. B, Major Disaster. C, the combined forces of Gorilla Grodd and Hector Hammond. D, Dr. Light. Let's see. Dr. Light? I don't remember Dr. Light playing... Oh, let's see. I don't remember him playing that big a part. Major Disaster came up later on with Kyle's run, so I don't think that they would reuse him that fast. The combined forces of who? Gorilla Grodd and Hector Hammond. I feel like that would be a, an awesome issue that they probably would have made it to the cover. Um, <laughs> I'm going to go with Process of Elimination and the other one, Flicker. That's right. Good. Yeah. The Grodd-Hector-Hammond thing was actually a uh, Green Lantern-Flash team-up. Okay. It's like, yeah. do, you remember, do you remember the cover where the Flash gets like a gigantic head? Yeah, yeah, I do. Yeah. I don't remember the... Was Hector Hammond on that cover? I think he was. I think he was there. I'm probably remembering it wrong. <laughs> okay. And this one, this last one, um, I don't know. I have a feeling you're going to get this, but uh, <laughs> it's, it's still a fun question. Okay. Who slipped Raker Quaragot his battery before he was exiled to Apocalypse? Was it Ash Pack Glyph? Was it Haruk Maktar, or was it Ashtak Glam? The fuck? <laughs> I think it was the big stone guy who lost his face. <laughs> um, um, what were the names again? <laughs> oh, God. Why do you keep making me do this? Why do you... You designed these questions! Okay. One is Ashtak Glyph. Two is Haruk Maktar, and three is Ashtak Glam. All right, this is my line of reasoning. The first one has the word glyph in it, right? And those are like symbols you carve into rock. And, I'm, and if it's the character I'm thinking of, he was made of rock, so I'm gonna say that one. You son of a bitch! <laughs> is it? <laughs> did I get it? Yes, that's awesome. <laughs> It's ridiculous. That, that really is ridiculous. <laughs> oh my god. Um, alright. <laughs> um, let's see here. Alright. Oh, do I want to do that one? Let me see. That or no? I have alternates too, so I'm going through them. <laughs> oh, lovely. See, you would absolutely get this one, so I'm not going to do that one. <laughs> oh, should I do that um, all right, let me ask you this. Do you want a John Stewart question or a general Green Lantern question? General Green Lantern question. All right. <laughs> Which of these pairs have never had a team up? Oh, God. You picked this. All right. It's, it's not going to be that hard. All right. A. Hal Jordan and Wally West. B. John Stewart and Oliver Queen. C. Hal Jordan and Connor Hawk. D. 
Guy Gardner and Barry Allen. Oh, God. <laughs> so you need the options again? <laughs> yes, okay. I'm gonna, I gotta work this out logically. Alright, so the first one... Right. ...is Hal Jordan and Wally West. Okay, now what do you define as, like, a team-up? I am... I'm, I'm, cons- I'm, the God, words. All right. I'm not counting, like, like, for all I know, every one of these guys has been in the Justice League together or something like that. But I'm thinking in terms of, of, you know, character A shows up in character B's book. They go on a full adventure together, shake hands, and go home. Okay. Well, Hal Jordan and Wally West have definitely teamed up in the past. Well, huh. yeah, they've definitely, like, it may not have been just the two of them, but like I remember for one for one thing the uh, the issue where Wally West gets like that like kind of temporary Green Lantern ring. Mm. So I, I'm going to count that as a team up. Okay. Uh, next, John Stewart and Oliver Queen. John Stewart and Oliver Queen. Now. Yeah, I do not know. Well, you know, you just said you asked me if I wanted a general or a, or a John Stewart question, and this one still has a John Lewis, John Stewart question in it. John John Stewart revol- he he counts as part of Green Lanterndom overall, so he fall like but stop being nitpicky and answer the question. <laughs> yeah, my 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 John Stewart knowledge basically starts with Green Lantern fifty of the third series. Oh, um, now. I mean, I guess it's possible that they teamed up, but I have never read a comic with it. So, that's a maybe. What's the next one? Hal Jordan and Connor Hawk. Hal Jordan and Connor Hawk. Now, with this, this one I don't know if it's possible. Really? Yeah, because I'm trying to remember... Because, yeah, this is this is less a Green Lantern question as it is more of a Green Arrow question trying to figure out when Green Arrow switched over. You know, when his son came into, you know, into being, basically. And I'm pretty sure it was after Hal Jordan died. In which case, you know, Hal Jordan... Well, I mean, I guess... well. You, you could do some sort of thing with Parallax and Hal Jordan, but that would be just kind of like a cheap question. Um, and then once once Hal Jordan came back from being dead, uh, I am almost certain that he has not teamed up with with Green Arrow. Or with... Uh, wait, Connor Hawk, right? Connor Hawk, yes. Yeah. Okay. So I, I I'm thinking that's that's the the answer. But what's what's the, the fourth one? The final one is Guy Gardner and Barry Allen. Yeah, I think. Well, well, now you see this this one. I don't know because they definitely work together in Crisis. Well, did they though? No, nah, no, actually they didn't. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> I hate you. I really hate you. <laughs> Guy Gardner and Barry Allen, which is unlikely. Hal Jordan, Connor Hawk. I don't know when that would happen. Or John Stewart and Oliver Queen. Yeah, that was 
John and Oliver. Yeah, yeah that's almost certainly happened. <sighs> almost certainly happened. <laughs> People are yelling at their iPods right now. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't. I don't necessarily know that they are, because you. Oh man. You're not asking specific questions. You're asking very, very general questions. Oh, come on, listen. I guess I'm going to have to go with Hal Jordan and Connor Hawk. That's your answer? Yes. All right, my extensive research mm-hmm. has has yielded that that in all of comicdom, there has never been a team-up, a, a one-on-one team-up between Guy Gardner and Barry Allen. For Hal Jordan and Connor Hawk, yeah. and I know you've read this, do you remember after Green Lantern 100 when a young Hal Jordan was back in the present day for a while? Oh, come on! Oh, God. I've never read those issues. What? I, I never got all the issues. Really? Yes. Why? That was... That was one particular time where I was going to college, I was living in college, and I couldn't get to comic book stores, so I could only, like, pick up issues here and there. I picked up, like, I don't know, three or four out of, like, the five or six that there were, and since I never got the whole series of them, I never read that storyline. Oh, gee, you've never seen the cover, though? Because it's, like, they're right on the cover together. I, I don't know. I may have, but I don't know. All right, you know, you know what? You know what? Just for that one, we'll we'll throw that out, and I'll give you an, I'll give you another one. That's so irritating. Here, I'll give you this one. This one's more fair in Air Bunnies. All right, you ready? Yes. All right, Guy Gardner has an older brother. What's his name? What's his first name? I should say his last <laughs> name would be Gardner. <laughs> Is it A. Butch, B. Mace? C, Ernie, or D, Clint? (laughs) Well, when you first started reading the question, I thought his name was Mike. Really? So that would make me think that Mace is a lot closer. (laughs) Say the names again. Butch, Mace, Ernie, or Clint? Yeah, I would say it's either Mace or Clint, and I'm going with Mace. You are correct. Okay. Thank God. Yeah. <laughs> a slight bit of redemption. Yeah. I actually, I was that was originally in my questions to read off, but I got rid of it. Because as soon as I, re- I read Emerald Warriors number uh, five, it's in there. So I'm like, oh, son of a bitch. They didn't, they didn't mention him for like ten years, and then right when we decided to do this. He was in there. Uh, well, uh, when we'll, we'll get to it in the issue, but when Guy has to give his password to access that other ring, it's Mace One. Oh. So I'm like, oh, I can't use that question now. Damn it. <laughs> so yeah, that was our. <laughs> there was our trivia. That was rough. That was. I expected better from you. <laughs> oh man, I expected better questions. I gave you gold. You just don't know how to handle it. But hey, you know what? 
all said and done, I only beat you by one point, so. <laughs> yeah, okay. So, uh, so we're definitely gonna have to have a rematch on this one. Oh, sure, bring it. I still have, like, three questions ready. <laughs> <sighs> okay. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I definitely should have spent more time on these questions. I just... You I shouldn't have thrown them together as soon as we started recording. <laughs> well, that, that that was the answers. That was the, you know, the, the the fake answers that I had to throw together. And and not to mention, I completely forgot that these questions were multiple choice. Oh, God. Do we actually have to talk about comics now? I feel like we've been, we've been <laughs> at this for a while. We've been at this for almost an hour. Oh, it's almost an hour. Come on. Oh. Let's, let's do it. Let's... Come on, you you definitely want to get to what's in Green Lantern 60, though. Come on. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Okay, so uh, are we doing this now? Are we, yeah, we yeah, we're good. Okay. Kicked your ass. <laughs> For now. <laughs> I was trying to be nice, too. I was really trying to be nice. Oh, I wanted my question. I wanted interesting questions that would really make you think, and you did, and you reasoned out a few of them. Yeah. You just tried to confuse me with people's names. That. I thought that's what we're going for. You're so good with names anyway. I uh, please. I'm like that word sounds meaner than that other word. That's probably the bad guys. That that's how I'm good with names. <laughs> oh please. Yeah. Whatever. Whatever. Whatever your face. Okay, issue 60 starts off. <laughs> I'm going to talk about the covers first because uh, this this is the 75th anniversary variant cover for Green Lantern. Oh, that one? Yeah, actually, um, well, the main cover uh, is actually by Gary Frank. So that that, that in and of itself is a great cover. But, oh, the, the one where he's choking the Flash? Yes. Oh, I didn't know that was Gary Frank. Yeah. Um. But uh, the variant cover is by uh, uh, Frank Quietly, and yeah. it's a like a re redo of a uh, retake of the classic cover with Hal Jordan and Sinestro. In the original cover, they were both recharging from you know a battery that was half green, half yellow. This one, they're just you know they're fist fist to fist, and uh, you know you have like a silhouette of a green and yellow battery behind them. I, I take it from your 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 uh, whatever your comments that you, you were not fond of this variant cover. I just I don't like Frank Quitely's art. Like I've said on the forum before, his his people look like they're sculpted out of fuzzy oatmeal. Is I I don't like it. Okay, well I loved it, so I actually got this variant cover. Did you get it? Like. Like did you was it extra like bleh, was it marked up ridiculously or anything? I think it was eight dollars. Ah. Uh. But uh, no, you know, like out of all, like they, they've had a few of these 75th anniversary covers, and when they first showed this one a while ago, I don't know, like I love the coloring on it. I think it's you know really cool. Um, and, you know, <laughs> I've heard some people say that the, you know, the coloring. You know, while it's good on the characters, it kind of blocks out the details on the battery that Frank quietly had, like, apparently drawn, like, really well. Hmm. So, that's a little sad, but I mean, you know, it's just, it's a, it's a cool cover. It's a cool, iconic cover, anyway, from the, the old days. So, it's nice having Frank Quietly's take on it. Yeah. Speaking of the coloring, I really like the coloring on the Gary Frank cover, which I have here. Like, yeah. 
I love the fact that the uniforms are colored so much darker than they normally are because it makes like like both these characters are crackling with energy and it makes the energy itself to jump out at you more just because everything else is darker than normal. Yes. Okay, so the comic itself, uh, we have a. It starts off with a little recap of you know the whole darkest darkest night, the whole <laughs> blackest night you know conflict, and you know how now on Earth there's a white power battery and that's drawing all the entities to Earth, and uh, there's you know some dude coming after them. Uh, it doesn't say that in the very beginning, but there is somebody coming after him, and. <laughs> I, I noticed something from the very beginning that this must be like the first issue of the second trade. Yeah. So that's that's another thing to keep in in uh, in mind. But uh, yeah, a lot a bunch of these entities have already taken over hosts, mm-hmm. and uh, Parallax has just taken a host in the form of uh, Barry Allen, the Flash, and he's using his super speed to you know take out Hal Jordan. Hal Jordan finally you know gets him up into the sky. And is trying to talk him down, trying to talk him out of being Parallax. That doesn't last too long. And and Barry has the Parallax, you know, what was it? Should we call him Flashalax? No. No, we shouldn't. <laughs> Paraflash? No. Uh, God. Just go, just go. Okay, go. Flashalax <laughs> it is. Oh. <laughs> Flashalax is really trying to get into Hal's head, trying to... You know, he's basically trying to break down Hal, and uh, and Hal is just kind of like goading him on. It's like, you know, you want me? Fine, here I am. And Parallax is like, yeah, you know what? You know, maybe I will come and get you. And just as Parallax is jumping out of the Flash's body, that's when the hooded character shows up again, and uh, he's all like, you know, um, yeah, he's actually mine, and. Uh, also, anything that you plan on doing to me isn't going to do jack squat because I control Ion. You know, I control all the energy that's in your ring. You know, they're they're doing you know they're fighting here and there, whatever. And then the indigos and the blues and the oranges and I guess that's it. Kind of all start attacking this little hooded midget creature. <laughs> they're you know they're like oh yeah you know we're going to be able to save the day. We're going to be able to bait, beat you because we have awesome powers. Um, but uh, they kind of like fell right into his trap because, you know, because they're all right there. The, this little hooded guy can uh, just rip the entities right out of the, the, the hosts. Um, meanwhile, there's like a, a quick scene with Sinestro fighting alongside Atrocitus. Oh, that's pretty cool. <laughs> 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 and he gets a call from Romat Romat Roo, who sounds like a Scooby Doo cousin. Romaroo <laughs> Who uh is, you know, giving him the information that Kyle Rayner is trying to get Sinestro's attention to save the daughter and blah blah blah. Sinestro flies off. And uh yeah, so the the whole hood of being he's pulling all the entities out of the hosts. Yeah, he he's like, yeah, you know, I don't have to hide my identity, which, yeah, he has been hiding his identity for the past bunch of issues. But, you know, right here, it's like, oh, yeah, my identity isn't actually secret. You know, nobody just asked me. So uh, <laughs> those those bandages that he had were Malthusian Evolution T. 
tapestries, and uh, it turns out that he is revealed to be Krona. Yeah. Krona. I think you're the only person that guessed Krona. <laughs> Was I? Uh, no. No, I think you were. I mean, like, yeah, it, it, it made sense, because... I mean, it, with the especially with the uh, the Agent Orange storyline, there was so much information pointing to Krona and the Orange entity and the uh, well, the Orange Power Battery, and you know, caging Parallax. You know, it definitely makes sense. Yeah, and especially in here where they say like, it was this wasn't it this issue where they say he's the keeper of the of the entities. Yeah. 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 So that makes sense why you would have Parallax in a box. So. Yeah. Now, one of the things that I thought was very interesting is that these Malthusian evolution <laughs> tapestries, you know, like, for however long as I can remember, like, you always, you know what the Guardians look like. They're like tiny little people with giant heads. Yeah. And you know what they look like when they were on Malthus. Yeah, like, they're, they look like humans, but they're blue. Yeah, well, basically. actually, if you go to the very last page of this issue, then you see Krona staring into that, you know, the big monitor with the hand grasping, you know, the universe. Um, yeah. That's what all the Malthusians used to look like. You know, big, brawly, muscle, blue. So you always wonder, you know, okay, okay, how did they get from that to the Guardian look? And, and here... Jeff Johns gave us an answer. It's apparently these Malthusian evolution tapestries, which, when you wrap yourself in them, I guess cause you to evolve and regenerate or something like that to build your your body powers. I always assumed it was just like, just evol just natural evolution over time because they're that old already. I mean, yeah. At the same time, it's like it feels like like almost a cheat because like. Krona's the one renegade guardian, because there's a couple, that I did not think this would be, just because he never evolved to this state. Mm -hmm. So it's like, it's like, oh yeah, no, by the way, he did. <laughs> ah, now he did. Yeah. Which, I mean, like, so, so, well, a, a couple of things, like, right, right from this, like, the second to last page, it's, you know, there's a couple of, like, important points with, First, you have the uh, Malthusian evolution tapestries. And then, you know, like, he's basically stating right there in that, you know, he's saying that he he felt joy in discovering the secret of creation. Um, he felt something. He felt joy. Like, he's all, you know, he's collecting the, the entities. You know, he says that he feels hope. He feels all the emotions. So, like, he's like what a guardian would be if they actually felt emotions. Yeah, well, if they felt emotions and got repeatedly imprisoned and killed off by the rest of his own people. Yeah. Yeah, but by the same token, it's not like the guardians are in anybody's, uh, you know, high up list at the moment. Yeah. So. Well, two things. Well, three things in this that I kind of latched onto. First, like, I liked seeing, um, uh, Squishy. I liked, I liked the, the notion that one entity can kind of yank another entity out of a host. 
That makes sense to me. Even though he does look god-awful. But... <laughs> well, the thing that I liked about that, like, even though you may not like the, the look of it, it's cool how the concept of the Indigos is that they can uh, summon the powers of other cores. And with with Squishy, he's got so many arms that it's, like, displayed as those powers coming out of one of each of the arms. Yeah, and they even, um... the It's the blue tentacle that is yanking Parallax out. And they even, they even gave us a little reference a few pages earlier to a, a Hal says, <clears throat> you know, he chains up the Flash and says, you know, he calls for St. Walker to help him be, uh, uh, because the blue light can weaken yellow. And, right. like, that's, like, one of my big kind of pet peeves since Blackest Night started is that they've just kind of abandoned the whole concept of the different kinds of energy having different effects on each other when they're in proximity. And now that's... It's, it's, is starting to creep its way back in. Speaking of Blackest Night, panel one, page one, we get, like, a, a firm statement that Blackest Night happened in story six weeks before this. Yeah. Which, I was like, huh, six weeks, huh? That's That seems close to me, but this has been a very long story arc, so... It's... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well... I, I don't know. I was like, I, I was kind of wondering. It's like, really, they've they've been you know milling around for six weeks. No, no, no wonder. Uh, no wonder Salik started to get suspicious. Yeah. It's like you know, we really haven't heard from Hal Jordan for like two months. What? <laughs> what uh, anybody? Anybody think we should check on that? <laughs> no, no, he's probably fine. He's probably taking a two month long vacation. You know those humans. <laughs> um, what you go? With the, the white battery, the white power battery, you know, summoning people, you know, summoning the entities to Earth, it makes me wonder if we'll ever get stories, like, of either the origin of the entities or where they were, what they were doing, if they were in anybody else before they came to Earth. Hmm. I don't know. Maybe. Like, I don't think we touched on it last time, but uh, in that Star Sapphire issue... They made reference. I, they didn't directly state it, but they made the implication that um, back in the pre-John's era, when the Predator was that dude in the stupid armored suit, yeah, that it wasn't actually it, it like it was a human possessed by the entity. Like that's that's how I took it. I don't think so. Well, they they said you know you've been possessed by this entity before, or or something. You've encountered this entity before. And they showed a panel of the old school Predator. So I'm like, oh, okay. So they're they're saying now that back in the last volume of Green Lantern, when the Predator was kicking around, that was supposedly the Violet entity inside somebody or something. I don't. I don't. Oh know. yeah. Well, yeah. That that I agree with. It was. No, yeah, that's what I was saying. Yeah. Oh, I thought you meant like the. I thought you were saying was before the Johns run. The entity wasn't an entity; it was just a guy that became the entity. Yeah, no, no, no. Yeah, no. Yeah, no. The entity that that was uh, like that's that's definitely how I took it. That the entity's always been the entity, and we just didn't realize it until John's run. Yeah, I mean the same way that we didn't know Parallax was an entity; we just thought it was Hal Jordan in a different costume. Right. Um, 
Speaking of Parallax. Yes. I I will say I still think my feelings about Parallax and Flash are completely consistent from the last episode where it's just god awful. Yeah. But I think we got some important stuff out of that. And I don't think any of it has anything to do with this series. I think it's I think it's going to matter. I think this possession is going to matter for the Flash series, also written by Johns. Because over there, are you reading Flash? Um, I oh, actually, I've been reading like the the one off issues. I like the like the Zoom issue and all that stuff. Yeah, like I I got the I I haven't read the the first storyline all the way through. I got the basic idea of it. I can kind of see where you're going with the fear thing, though. Yeah, well, the thing is, like, I know you read Flash Rebirth, though. Yeah. And the big change after Flash Rebirth, other than Barry Allen being back, was that his mother was killed and his father was framed for it. And that didn't get fixed. And as you read through that first story arc of the ongoing series after that, it keeps coming up, not really in, not so much in your face, but like, Barry will just keep making offhand comments here and there to like to like time travel and to what happened to his mom and how you can't change the past and this and that. And meanwhile, we know that they're building to this event or storyline or whatever flashpoint, which from everything <laughs> I've seen is going to be a time travel story. Oh. And this is that would be his main motivation to time travel and whatever. And here you have like like Barry or Parallax Sometimes you, you could almost go back and forth with who's talking, but here you got the Flash and everybody's <clears throat> saying, you know, thanks to the power boost from Parallax, he can actually communicate with the Speed Force in a way that he never could before. So that right there, you can basically, like, there's no telling what he could have learned about the Speed Force or the nature of his own power from this possession. So he, and that's information he's going to carry with him back into his own book, where we're go- like this, this right here could end up being the catalyst for Flashpoint, you know? Because I mean, like, what's he, what's the very next thing he says? He starts talking about like time machines and shit like that. It's like <laughs> that's an interesting point. I didn't even think about that. I, I like, I mean, I, I aside from the, you know, I, I thought it was cool that like he's like, yeah, I can talk to the Speed Force. Yeah, no, I, I, yeah, and you're right because he, you know, starts talking about time travel immediately afterwards. I guess, like, in general, I don't have a lot of interest in the the Flashpoint concept, but I guess you're right. Yeah. I mean, I still have absolutely no idea what the story's going to be. I just feel... it's I, I'm kind of certain it's going to be a time travel story, and if it is, it pretty much has to have something to do with trying to fix what happened with his parents. It makes sense. Plus, Zoom is probably going to be in it, and he's a time traveler, so... Read that Zoom issue. It was amazing. What do you think of the concept of, uh, you know, after they crash back down to Earth, Hal says, all right, screw it. You want me? Here I am. Come get me. And, you know, Parallax doesn't budge. And Hal says, you know, or are you afraid? Are you afraid of me? And Parallax kind of flips out, not really saying, <laughs> not really doing a good job of proving he isn't. But yeah, what do you think of that uh, that whole deal? I don't know. I don't know what to think because, you know, it's interesting how the entities react to their own emotion. So, like, it's hard to tell 
if if Parallax is afraid of him, you know, it, like you know, is the the fear entity capable of being afraid of something, or you know, like was he not afraid, or was he you know, like reacting that way to mask its fears? Hmm. You know, what do you yeah. think? I don't know. I mean, I thought the implication was that he that Parallax was afraid. Yeah. But, I don't know. I did like the next very next panel where, uh, the, uh I want to call him the hooded dude, but where Krona <laughs> says, uh, you know, the reason he doesn't want Parallax to jump into Hal Jordan is because, you know, Hal's been possessed a few times before and he's, he's like, kind of, he's fought it off before, so, you know, he might not be as easy to control again. Yeah. Yeah, well, that's like... Like, when Kyle Rayner was taken by Parallax. Mm-hmm. It's like, once you know how to overcome Parallax as an entity, it can't really, you know, hold on to you like it, you know, could originally. Yeah. And we've been saying for how long that we want to see some sort of after-effect or residual effect from having an entity inside you for some length of time, and... This, this is a start. <laughs> I yeah. still like I still like to see Hal and Kyle be able to just kind of uh, intuitively know what scares people, but you know. Yeah, I mean, like the all the the other entities and characters fighting like the little hooded dude. You know, I, I kind of figured that was just like, yeah, this is pointless. He's basically just gonna you know kick your asses in a second. Yeah, that page. Let's 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 talk about the art for a second because that page. Where it's just all of them attacking him at once. Yeah, that could have been so much more impressive. <laughs> like even I, I don't know if it's the inker or just the layout or what, but it just didn't look that good. It's it's okay. It's it's a little like clustered so that you can't really. It's almost like confusing to look at. Yeah. You know, like I knew that Saint Walker was there. He gets lost so easily. Yeah. Oh, well. Yeah. It's a good issue. I th- The whole connection to Green Lantern Corps. Because if there's one storyline you want to tether your book to, it's the one going on in Green Lantern Corps. <laughs> yeah. Which, I this was odd, because Sinestro's the only person that didn't show up over there. Yeah, well, also, uh, Hector Hammond didn't show up. Yeah. Yeah, you know where I think he is? Where? I think he's headed to Zamoron. Because he, like, the last time we saw him, he exploded off yelling that he wanted Carol. And where's Carol? She's on that other planet. And Hector just happens to have a tremendous cosmic force inside of his face. So I'm going to... If they want to tell me that he could find her out there, I'm going to believe it. <laughs> yeah, not to mention the Predator is also there, and this thing is collecting entities. Yeah, yeah, true. So that would that would make it a lot easier, <laughs> make, you know, one-stop shopping. Yeah. <laughs> okay. All right, so Green Lantern 61. Sounds good. Or as I like to call it, proof a Red Lantern book can rock. <laughs> All right, so... While all this has been going on, Atrocitus has still been hunting down the Butcher. And 
you know, it's, it's going okay, except he hates the Earth and everybody on it, which kind of, it fits for him. He's powered by hate, you know, all right. <laughs> um, he tracks the Butcher down to this, I guess, prison, I forgot the name of the prison, where this this guy is about to be electrocuted, or is it lethal injection? I, it doesn't even matter. Yeah, He's does. about to be killed because he he just brutally murdered and dismembered this girl, and probably did more stuff and he just he has no affect about it at all other than the joy he gets in rubbing it into the face of the of the father of the girl who's watching through the glass and like that's his final he's using his final breath to to like just do that and it's an awful person and then the butcher shows up it just crashes through like a giant bull <laughs> which is great and it immediately goes after the dad. He skips over the the murderer entirely. It's going to try and jump into the dad, but the specter shows up. And it's, it's funny. You get to see the specter wrangling a giant bull. It's awesome. Um, and Atrocitus shows up because, hey, it's a party. And the, he starts arguing with the specter over, you know, should we kill it? No, give it to me. No, I'm going to kill it. No, give it to me. And while mom and dad are fighting, the butcher jumps into the dad makes him this bitchin' demon who just... He just kills the hell out of the Spectre. His Spectre's fine, though. He's just a little pudding-like. But, you know, the Butcher enacts the revenge that the, the dad wanted so much. He just chops up this murderer. But with with that done, with the vengeance exacted, you know, the, the host... He's not as angry anymore. The focus of his rage has been destroyed, so he's becoming a less viable host, which is an interesting concept. And so he figures, you know what? Atrocitus is right here. He's clearly angry. Maybe I should buddy up with him. So he goes to jump into Atrocitus, but the Spectre just yanks him away and wrangles him again, because, hey, who doesn't like to wrangle a good bull? You know what? So Atrocitus can see, like, this isn't going really great for him. So he yanks his his battery out of the bloody ether and just jams the entity into his battery, trapping it like Larfleeze trapped Ophidian. And, you know, the Spectre's kind of okay with that. But then he's going to kill the dad for his actions as the host of the Butcher which is really messed up. And Atrocitus agrees. So he vomits in the Spectre's face, which is how I solved my arguments. <laughs> and <laughs> It's true, folks. Yeah. Jim, <laughs> Jim's never going to another New York con with me again. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, the Spectre and, and Atrocitus have this kind of bigger picture debate over the nature of judgment and rage and all that. And, and there's the you get your your kind of cliche moment of you know if you're gonna you're gonna judge him you're gonna judge me too, and the Spectre's like okay, but he can't because Atrocitus apparently along the way picked up some holy mission or something, so the Spectre is like um you know what I'll get back to you and he disappears, and then there's this heartfelt moment between Atrocitus and the dad where Atrocitus tries to burn the dad's head off with fire vomit, and then flies away. <laughs> so what do you think? <laughs> okay. I like the last page a lot, actually. Yeah. Yeah. Where he's like, I hate 
everything about this planet. And everyone on it. Well, except that guy. Yeah, basically. It's like most of them. It's like he has a friend on Earth. Oh. And, I mean, like, you know, he, he, he throws up blood, at, you know, in his general direction, which he's able to avoid. But as he flies off, he's like, you know, he realizes that he has like a, you know, it's like kinship with this fellow father who, who lost his daughter. Yeah. And they were so close. If he wanted to hit him, he'd have hit him. Yeah, yeah. What do you think of the design of the uh, the the butcher taking a host? Oh, I hated it. Like, on the cover... Did you get the cover? Which cover did you get? Did you get the cover where it's the Trossus and Hal looking at it? Yeah. I really wish I got the cover of Hal flying at the butcher entity fighting the specter. That looks so much better than this. Because on the on the cover, it looks like a dude wearing a costume, like the face and everything. In in the issue, it looks kind of better, but it still it looks too much like. It, it it looks the same way that like when you see Batman, you know it's a guy wearing a bat-ish mask, and that's what this guy looks like to me. Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I think it's it's an okay costume, but. I don't know, it's, it's weird. Like, I don't really see the motivation for it. Yeah, well, Adara doesn't really change your your look. Squishy. <laughs> Squishy was weird. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. You know what? Let's, let, we'll, we'll just accept it. Yeah, I mean, it, it's only around for one issue, which I was so very glad about. <laughs> I thought it was kind of... It was more funny than anything that he has all these these construct butcher knives hanging from his belt. <laughs> Okay, okay, so there's, there's a few a few little things that I, you know, have to say. First off, the the first page with those two people in the, the tow truck. Yes. What what the hell was that? That, uh, well. It's like we're walking into the middle of a scene from something that, like, has obviously a bunch of backstory, and they're <laughs> instantly killed, and you, you know, you find out nothing else. Like, what was with that? Uh, this it's just I think it's like I mean look at the, how the issue ends Atrocitus ha- finds kinship with someone on Earth and this is like it's it's this issue is kind of bookended by you know it begins with humanity just providing him with fuel to hate it and it ends with humanity giving him a glimmer of why not to hate it yeah yeah I don't I, like. That, that, that's a good point as far as, you know, you have at the end a righteous rage and at the beginning kind of like a, like an angry hatred that's not really justified. Yeah. Plus it's like, it's a twist on the, uh, the classic superhero open, you know, <laughs> if this was any other lantern, they would have like swooped in, they would have stopped the car safely. They would have like gotten rid of the gun and, like, tied up the guy or something. Whereas this, he just punches the car in the face, and they're both killed. <laughs> Which is, it, it diffuses the situation, but, you know. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I mean, like, I'm wondering if, because it, it says that it's uh, Deer Lodge, Montana. Like, I don't know if this is, like, supposed to be a scene out of a movie that maybe... That's taking place in Montana. Hmm. But I don't know. Like, 
you know, I'm looking at this and I'm like, were they, was, is there like a Fargo like movie or something like that where, you know, where the, these two people are characters in the movie and that could be, you know, this is John's commentary on what he thought should have happened to them or something. Maybe they just needed a death penalty state. <laughs> Speaking of that, did you... Because, I mean, right before the page turn, mm-hmm. I got it that, oh, it's going to go to the dad. Like, did But did you fall for it like, oh, he's going to go into this killer and it'll be right before he gets executed? I, I, don't, I don't think I thought that it was going into the killer, but... I, I I'm not re- not really sure on that that point, but like, it does make a lot more sense for it to go into the dad. Yeah, especially considering like the killer isn't displaying any real emotion at all, other than joy. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. So what would attract? You know, if it if it just needed to be a killer, then what about that prison full of killers that it just murdered a couple issues ago? Yeah. Yeah, no, apparently it has to be, like, you know, a pure rage. Like, this entity has, like, a, there's a lot of cool storytelling potential of this entity. Like, it could be, like, like a random, like, school kid that gets bullied too much or something, you know? <laughs> yeah, I don't know about that. I do. What you go, when the, the Spectre is wrangling the Butcher, he says, You will heed your search for a host and you will leave this world. That doesn't make any sense. Like, there's a wrong word in there. Heed? Yes. Hmm. Yeah, because heed is like, you know, you will you will be cautious and, and, you know, watch what you're doing. It's like, you know, you will heed your search for a host and will leave this world? Like, no. What he's saying is, you know, you will halt your search for a host and you will leave this world. <laughs> you will heed my word. Hmm. Yeah. Well... It's an editing gaffe. Yeah. Oh, it still sounds it still sounds kind of right coming out of the specter's mouth, though. Yeah, he just likes to say heed and yeah. thou and art. God. Yeah. Hey, now here's something that after I read it, I looked at it again. And I'm like, hey, now wait a second. A few issues ago, Hal Jordan comes to Larflees to say, Larflees, we really need to trap these entities mm-hmm. and. Nobody knows how to do it. But you did it. So you have to tell us how to do it. And then when Hector Hammond eats the battery or whatever, Larfley says, Oh, you know, I I should tell you these entities, they're they're a bit harder to, you know, trap than than I may have uh, implied. And then Atrocis right here just says, Oh hey, you know what? I'm just gonna put him in the battery now and then he does it. Like like it's is it really gonna be that simple? Like I'm going to just point your battery at them and say your oath, and there you go, it's done. Well, the Spectre had had contained it for a second. Hmm. So, I mean, like, the amount of power that it takes to contain an entity, even for a second, you know, it's... You know, that, that, that right there, I think, is one of the big things. Because, I, like, I really doubt that Larflees had help, you know, when he was you know, wrangling the, you know, the entity for, for avarice, you know? Yeah. Yeah, no, it, I guess it shouldn't have been that easy. Or, you know, if, if it was, then perhaps Atrocitus got that information from Larflees already. Yeah. 
And, I mean, the Spectre is a wild card in there, because, I mean, he was jamming the thing in there, too, so. Yeah. And not to mention, like, you have that scene where Atrocitus is reflecting on his life. Yeah. So, you know, it could be, like, the kind of thing where Atrocitus has so much rage that the Butcher, you know... Like, he has so much rage in his heart that the Butcher wouldn't even be able to fit, you know, because of all that rage. Kind of like what uh, Ophidian said about Larfleas. Like, you, yeah, you, you couldn't be tempted. You have, you have so much greed, you have, you know, more greed than even me, and you couldn't be tempted. Hmm. Did you like the way the, the, the entity was just kind of goading the host on? Yes. Yeah, and I like how it's like, you know, I'm hungry. You know, the entity is hungry. It's like you have to feed the rage. That was interesting. Yeah, this is the only time that seems like there's, like, almost a clear division between the entity and the host. Because, I mean, like, like last issue with the Flash, like, there were times where I was reading the dialogue coming out of the character where I had to remind myself, oh, yeah, no, that's not the Flash talking. Because it it's, could have very well... I could very well see the Flash saying half that dialogue. But with here, it's like you get these uh, the ring-shaped dialogue bubbles that come there are the entity speaking, but then you got like the actual speech bubbles, which are like the guy, you know? Yeah, that's true. It's like it's more of a like this one is more like a parasite as opposed to the others. The one thing that I thought was interesting that. Um you know, between Atrocitus and the Spectre, was that, uh, you know, he says, you know, you are not an enemy of my core. You know, you are a battery for it. You are a servant of rage. Hmm. You know, and, and Spectre, you know, like he said in the past, I am no one's servant but God's. You know, it's it's interesting, and I wonder if, you know, like, could a Red Lantern either A, power up from the Spectre, like, or could the Spectre be, like, contained as, like, an entity for, like, a second type of Rage Core? Hmm. Like, a Holy Rage Core. Possible. I mean, definitely, like, anybody who, who like, goes around like he does, wreaking bloody vengeance constantly, definitely makes sense that, that they could, uh, that they would be, like, a source of energy for the Red Lanterns who basically run on the stuff yeah and uh what do you think of the whole um you know you cannot be judged not now your mission against krona is a holy one is that just because like whether he whether he knows it or not he's an agent of the white entity right now or i don't know i i don't know if like his mission that you know he foresaw with everything you know, if that was the definition of a holy, holy mission, or, you know, if it is the overall picture with the white, white entity, I'm not sure. Yeah. Or it could just be as simple as, like, what, what's, we, we still don't know what Krona's doing, but it's going to be big, because he mentioned before, like, oh, I'm going to change the way the universe feels. So he's doing something on a universal level with these entities, and, and whether Atrocitus knows the big picture or not, he's, he he's actively opposing Krona's plan just by seeking to contain his own entity. So I, I don't know. I 
whatever makes his mission holy, I don't think he even has to really know about it for that to be the case kind of thing. So I, I don't know. How long is this story arc? <laughs> I feel like we've been reading it for a very long time. Well, I, I think we're we're now into the the second story arc. Uh, this is I. In terms of production values, I think this is the best issue we've gotten in a good while. It's. it's I don't know because that that Star Sapphire issue was really good too. Oh yeah, that that too. I this is the this issue and that issue are the two best we've seen since since Blackest Night ended. But like, with this one, there was, like, nothing in the art jumped out at me as bad or funky or any of the problems I've had with the last several. Mm-hmm. It was just an overall... It was a good issue. <clears throat> and, like, I didn't even notice that there was no other Lanterns in this at all. It was just Atrocitus, his entity, and the Spectre. Like, I, I half-jokingly said it at the beginning, but, like, this... Like, like when you read this with the mindset of, okay, a Red Lantern core book is coming, you read this, and you walk away from it thinking, yeah, you know what? That's probably a good idea. Yeah, well, I mean, they're, they're definitely, like, I would say either them or the Star Sapphires are the best contenders for, for a core, for, uh, mm-hmm. like, a, another book. Yeah. So we're done with this? Yes. Oh, did you read the... Uh... <laughs> The uh, exclusive preview, as long as you own a computer. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I actually haven't been paying any attention to those whatsoever. Yeah, I didn't read this one. I read the last one, I didn't read this one. Yeah. I mean, yeah, like like you said, I've been, you know, reading things online. I just, like, I see the picture, and it's just like, eh, whatever. Seen the, that, I've seen that exact picture before, you know. Yeah, when the movie comes out, I, you know, that'll be cool, but I don't need these. Yeah. Good thing it'll be letters pages soon instead. <laughs> yeah. There's going to be people sending letters about that, that movie for picture. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Let's finish it up. Okay, okay. So, yeah, now we got Emerald Warriors number five, which uh, I think we're, we're ahead of the game now. <laughs> How are we ahead of the game? Well, we finally caught up with everything. I know. That's amazing. Now we can slack off for a few months. Yeah. <laughs> well, technically, we haven't caught up with everything just yet. But oh, right, right, we right. We have to we have to finish this this one issue. Okay, so continuing from the last issue, a whole bunch of uh, Green Lanterns that were kind of hanging out in the uh, the outer rim were uh, attacking the you know the the heroes of the book. You know, we have Guy Gardner, Aresia, Kilowog, and Blaze, and. Uh, you know, they're, they're trying to talk reason with these Green Lanterns, but uh, apparently they view them all as Sinestro Corps members. So it kind of takes like a whole bunch of pain to make them realize that they're actually Green Lanterns. So once they realize that, they start inflicting a whole bunch of pain on these people. And uh, <laughs> before they can get any like useful information out of them, you know, once everybody realizes, oh, wait, you are all Green Lanterns, that's when Zardor is, you know, he uses his, um, you know, mental powers to make them all commit suicide. So, I hate it when that happens. Yeah. It gets very messy. Mm-hmm. At least Kilowog is thoughtful enough to wrap little bubbles around their heads so the blood doesn't drip everywhere in space. 
And, uh, you know, he gets all emotional. It's like, oh, why do these rookies have to die? You know, meanwhile, Guy Gardner is going after one of the rings that, you know, came off a deceased uh, Landurn's hand so that he can try and download some information from it and see just what's been going on. And uh, he finds the traje- trajectory. Uh, the ring um, spent a lot of time on, uh, what is it, Krakor, Crater, Crater, Krylock. There it is. Okay. So, yeah, they they now know how to get there. They're saying that this could be the reason for the the drain on the the core. And they start flying off and, oh no, Guy Gardner gets a bellyache. And he vomits up a whole bunch of blood. And all the blood starts spinning into a giant ball. And the ball turns into Atrocitus sending a, a, I don't know, like a blood text message. Yeah. You know, saying, you know, Gardner, honor your pact. You know, get to Earth now. All the entities are here. And Guy Gardner's just like, you know, damn it. And they're like, you know, Guy Gardner, you got some explaining to do. And he's like, okay, well, I had some nightmares, and I threw up some blood, so I figured, oh, the best thing to do would be to go to Atrocitus. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, he throws up blood, but he throws up blood and it has images in it. So, I don't know, he must have been eating, like, you know, picture macaroni the night before or something. Oh, absolutely. Um, with, me- with meatballs, it's great. <laughs> yeah. So, and we'll, we'll get to this giant image, you know, in just a minute. But uh, it's a whole bunch of images, you know, prophecy in blood that Guy Gardner sees. And uh, one of the main things is him fighting Hal Jordan. And he wanted to stop that from happening. That's basically where the issue ends. Yeah, and and in here, the the revelation I like the most is that that, uh, basically since the beginning, Ganthet and Guy have known that it, the hooded guy was Corona. Yeah. Like, that was cool. I like that a lot. Yeah, well, you know, I, I guess it makes sense. Oh, actually, yeah, it makes sense that that Ganthet would know. But realistically, it would also make sense that the Guardians would know. Yeah, and that, that would be why, like, they didn't want to tell anybody else anything. Or, you know, like... One, one more reason why you would have well, basically every Green Lantern story not taking place on Oa, where anybody could just go and ask the Guardians, who the heck is this guy in bandages? Hmm. It may, you know, I still wonder what the Guardians themselves do know. Because there's still that little lingering detail of how, of like, okay, well, the Guardians agreed a little too, too easily to appointing Ganthet as the, a Green Lantern, and they agreed a little too easily to allowing this whole mission to take place at all. So it's it's like, uh, I'm s- still kind of waiting for the other shoe to drop with, with the rest of the Guardians. I think that's going to happen soon. Yeah. Now, now right in here, you have, you know, one, 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 uh, what I thought was, was like, I, I would say, like a forebear of what may be to come. Right here, you have a small band of Green Lanterns fighting against Green Lanterns because one of them has like a, you know, a, one of the groups has a telepathic link 
making them see Sinestro Corps members. Now, I'm hoping that this is not what they do, but when the, the War of the Green Lanterns, you know, comes, you know, who's to say that it's not going to be just like a whole section of Green Lanterns being mind-controlled to think that there's something else? Yeah, I hope that plays as minimal a part as humanly possible. Because, you know, if you remember the, the story where Wonder Woman killed Max Lord? Yeah. Um, that was a huge storyline, and the concept behind it was that Max Lord was making Superman think that Batman was, like, I don't know, Doomsday, or I think he was actually making him think that Batman was Doomsday, and Darkseid, and Brainiac. I think he was making him think that he was all three. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Well, no, it's, it's I'm just saying that it's not something that DC is, you know, above doing. Yeah. Well, there's there's another little thing here that um, you know, you want to talk catalyst for dividing factions. The Guardians and like the Guardians know that Guy Aresia and Kilowog went off into the unknown sectors. Now all of a sudden, what shows up on Oa? 10 10 green energy coffins containing 10 dead green lanterns who I'm pretty sure they'll be able to figure out or have some way to detect that they were all killed by green power rings. You see where I'm going with it? So you think that in addition to what's going on here, Guy Gardner and the rest of them are being set up as murderers. Yeah, I mean, I don't think it's I don't think it's going to be as simple as like, oh, okay, like I'm I'm um, I'm not just going to say that that was the intent from the outset on the behalf of anybody setting it up, but it the way it worked out, it would be really easy to point the finger at them and say, look, they were out where there's no one else to corroborate their story, and these these rookies just randomly show up with their heads blown off by green rings. The th- the one thing that you're you're not taking into account though, is that the rings keep a record of what they do. Yeah, and the the record is is basically managed and maintained by Salak. And depending on whose side Salak ends up falling, who's going to believe what the record says? Well, I mean, like that's yeah, like if you know this this uh, you know car door, <laughs> car door, car door. <laughs> if he uses his mental powers on Salak, you know, to make him think that, you know, to make him not see the the actual records. Okay, but I mean that that kind of goes to the whole mind control causing you know the, the idea for the conflict. Yeah. Well, I'm I'm not even saying mind control. Like like it could be it. Doesn't even they don't even need to go as far as to make it mind control. They could just say, like, all right, you know what? We believe these guys. We don't believe you. And you're the guy. Why should we are the guy in charge of the records? So why should we believe the records? You could have changed the records, and we don't believe you. You know? Yeah, I. That that, that seems cheesy. Oh, oh yeah, mind control is a lot less cheesy. Well, no, I mean I think that they're both equally cheesy ideas. Yeah. You know, like, like, you have Salak, who has, like, the best reputation of a Green Lantern, and you have the rings, which record what you do. So, like, basically, you know, their alibi is that their rings didn't 
shoot these guys in the head. Yeah, well, but, yeah, but look what's happening with Hal Jordan right now. Like his, like he was able to make his ring stop telling, like stop keeping logs. You know, like why couldn't they? Why couldn't somebody somewhere along the line alter what the logs say? Well, no. Hal Jordan has made it so that it's not communicating with the Guardians. It's still recording what he does. And you don't know that. They didn't say that. They, they, they've definitely said that the ring has a memory. I mean, Guy Gardner in this issue alone goes and gets the, the ring memory from one of the deceased core members to find out where they went. Yeah. And, like, you know, all the Guardians have to do is get a hold of those rings for the people, you know, that were deceased and examine it. And they would see that the last thing that the previous user did was use the ring to blow holes in their heads. So, I mean, like, you know, when, when you break it down, it's like, you know, well, that may be, but people may not believe it. You know, okay, well, like that, that kind of storytelling where, you know, you, all of a sudden people don't believe it and you start, like, a conflict because they don't have all the information. Like, I think that's as cheesy storytelling as, just say, mind control. Because, like, it's not, like, you know, Hal Jordan and Guy Gardner, like, they, they have such a history together that I really think that they would sit down and talk about it. And, like, Hal Jordan would, like, look at Guy Gardner's ring and be like, yeah, you know what? I can see that you're telling the truth. There's a, a telepath out there who's causing problems. You know, let's go investigate as opposed to, you know, you killed these rookies. You know, I don't want to see your ring, blah, blah, blah. You know, you're pissing me off. Now I'm going to fight you. Yeah, I just, I, I'm willing to grasp at whatever to avoid this being largely influenced by mind control. Like that, like as long, if you're going to have all of your Green Lanterns fight each other, then it needs to be because of, like, real shit. Like, nothing, like, not stuff concocted by anybody who's playing with people's minds. Just, like, if, if there's real mistrust and and just all of that negative stuff that people have bottled up towards each other and about each other, then use that. Let that explode. Yeah, I mean... The, the idea of ideological differences causing the rift um, makes a lot more sense. Or, I mean, there, there are a lot of routes that they can can go. You know, it yeah. could be as simple as we don't want to follow the Guardians anymore. We think they're, you know, crooked crooks. You know, and we have our own power source or whatever. We'll see. So, how about that spread? Okay, how about the spread? Yes, there's two notable things in here, I think. Oh, only two? Well, two that jumped out at me the most. Okay. Maybe three. <laughs> Possibly four. <laughs> but uh, the first one, and maybe it's just because of spacing and just how positioning lined up, but uh, down the bottom left with Sodom and his followers writhing in pain and all that. Yeah. Doesn't it kind of look like Sodom might be a... Might be a squishy host. You know, well, here's my thoughts. Because I, I actually, I posted this on the forums. And, like, I was going to try and redo it, but basically I had all my information, I think, pretty good. Um, so I'm just going to read what I wrote when I first uh, had the reaction to it. 
Okay. Oh, sure, yeah. Let's see. What I wrote was, going from prior speculation, starting in the top left corner, you have the hooded figure with Ophidian. The hooded figure is Krona, and if you remember back to the Orange Lantern story, it was kind of implied that Orange was the first light that they that the Guardians discovered and tried to harness, or at least Krona did, meaning that the entity Ophidian is probably the first one that Krona came up against, and he caged him in a battery. Or, you know, maybe Larflees did that. We don't actually know. Yeah. Uh, this will pretty much be the first reunion since he did that, which, you know, should make for a nice battle between Krona and Ophidian. Next up, we have the Butcher with Aresia. Um, you've been commenting about Aresia's rage for a while. Oh, um, I, oh yeah, she didn't punch anybody in this issue. Yeah. So maybe, <laughs> she, she, yeah, maybe she doesn't get a ring. Maybe she becomes a host. I'd... I would accept that. <laughs> Hal and Guy, uh, maybe they're fighting over the Ion Entity. Would be a nice little kickoff to the War of the Green Lantern story I wrote. Yeah. Um, and that, that's true. I mean, maybe they're both looking for ways to start up their own core to not have to deal with the Guardians. You have Blees and the Predator. Might be a good way to redeem Blees. You have Adara with... Oh, well, wait, wait, wait. What? You... You skip the fact that Blees is uh is swarmed with the uh snakes. with Cardor's snakes. Yeah, yeah. I wasn't actually sure what that was until I was looking at it a little while ago. Cardor. Yeah. You have Adara with uh, a bunch of people. Um, this one I have no in- insight on because you can't really make out what the people are. Yeah. Okay. Now getting on to Sodom with his people. They seem to be suffering from some sort of attack, and Prozolite is right behind them. We know that in the future, Saddam... Uh, Saddam. Sodom, oh, God. <laughs> Sodom is not on a planet full of his followers, which is another thing. He basically has a religious following, and there's the compassion entity right there. So hmm. I'm betting that's the connection. Yeah. And then I wrote, oh, wait, on second thought, car door with parallax... Okay, so Corridor is using his sword to chop a tentacle off Prozolite. Is that what he did? Did he chop a, a tentacle off or a hand? No, no, that's a hand, because, like, that's... You can see, like, right at the edge of the paper, that's a head, and then there's the shoulder, and there's a severed hand right next to it, too. Right. Okay, so he chops off a hand, not... Okay. Yeah, somebody's losing a hand. That's that's interesting. <laughs> Yeah, well, what I what I had originally wrote, though, thinking that the tentacle was chopped off, was that maybe Parallax is influencing or strengthening Cardor, who is trying to psychically attack Sodom and his followers, who are being protected by Prozolite, and chopping off the tentacles gives him an in to their minds. Uh, that would relate closely with that saying in one of the comics, that compassion and fear have history together or something. but uh, And then finally, in the center, I'm going to go out on a limb here and say Guy is going to be fighting a clone of himself. The clone will be using a green ring, so Guy will have to use his red contamination to overcome his doppelganger. Why? A, why? <laughs> what? Why? Why do you think he's going to fight a clone of himself? Because Car, you know, Cardor, or Zardor, <laughs> He uh he has like that entire room of clones. 
So you know he has cloning technology. And like they've been saying how, you know, he you know, how, guy's gonna need that that red contamination you know, at some point during this mission. So I think that it's like that that red blood rage that's going to give him the edge over one of his exact clones. Hmm. Plus, you you can't really make out like the details on the character, and apparently he has no clothes on. So that's why I'm thinking that it's Guy Gardner as a clone without his clothes. Well, and he can be a a Green Lantern because you know the uh, Zardor just has to basically catch a Green Lantern ring from one of these rookies or have the rookie give him the ring to give to the Green Lantern clone. Nah, I don't know. But I definitely think that, like, the Prosolite, Prosolite thing has, uh, you know, is, is working with Saddam on the whole, you know, he's like their savior mentality. Who's Prosolite? Squishy. Oh, that's right. Yeah, that's yeah. Like squishy. <gasps> and Guy Gardner barfed up a lot of blood. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Like his entire wall. Like, what? What did you think? What were, What were your thoughts on these? No, it's it's pretty much like everything I had was like in there and yours. Yeah, no, it was cool. It was interesting. Yeah. <laughs> I'm wondering if like we're gonna see Hal or Guy become an, a host for Ion or something, or I don't, I don't know. We'll see what happens. Yeah, I feel like I feel like it should be coming eventually. Yeah. Oh, anyway, is that it? That's it. Nothing else really happened. And this is—I mean, the art in this issue was fantastic. Yeah. Again, yeah, like that—the title page where the ten lanterns are circled around them, and they're just kind of in those rotating, almost phantom zone disc-like. Yes. Like lantern things. It's—it it's, it's just looks so good. Yeah, I like Aresia in, in hers. Oh God. <laughs> She's getting a pap smear. <laughs> it's interesting. Um. I would say, like, if anything, like, the one thing that I take issue with in this mm. is, uh, like, Kilowog with, you know, how he, he's getting so, like, emotional again. Yeah. You know, like, he that's he's been doing that a lot lately. Yeah, like, when, when they go to war with each other, he is gonna fall apart. Or he's just gonna explode and become, like, the most violent person ever. It's like, oh, you're going to kill each other? I don't think so. I'm going to kill you first. Like, maybe he'll get the red the red entity. Who knows? Yeah. Then Arezi will punch him in the face and take it from him. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. He just, he looks like a sad little panda. That makes me, all you rookies are dead. That makes me a sad panda. What do you think of that Brightest Day uh, ad for uh, Jeff, uh, Jeff, Jeff John? John John's Martian Manhunter in the Green Lantern costume. That's an interesting ad. Yes. I assume that's the cover to an issue. But. Yeah. Well, I, I don't think... Well, maybe a variant cover. Nah. Well, it looks it looks cool. Yeah. I mean, it's it makes sense for him. It's, it's, I mean, it, it kind of makes sense that if you're going to... I What the hell am I trying to say here? <laughs> if you're going to advertise in the Green Lantern comic... Yeah, well, not even that. Like, if you're going to pick a member of the Justice League to give a Green Lantern ring to, it makes sense to pick Jean. Because, you know, he's an alien. He's he's 
and he's not as established a character as anybody else is really if that makes sense like you give like you give superman a ring that's it's cool it's got the novelty of hey we gave superman a ring and you can do interesting things with the costume but like like martian manhunter isn't as popular as superman so you could probably get away with making him a green lantern for a while at least you know yeah yeah, except for the whole fact that he's from the same sector as Green Lantern. Oh, and they don't have multiple or anything. It's not like our sector has, like, four <laughs> or five or any. What was the count last time we did? There was, like, nine of them or something. We're up to 15. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's the that's the absolute max. They, they can't be anymore. Oh, of course, of course. Okay, so, yeah, that was a good... Hey, we're caught up! Wee! I, I mean, like, I, this is crazy. Like, we're all caught up. Like, I think next episode we're going to have a Brightest Day ep- well, br- brightest day episode with Corwin. Oh, thank God. Because I'm not reading that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and actually, after that, that episode, we still won't be completely caught up. But uh, it's Brightest Day, so when we get to that stuff, we you know, that's when we get to it. It has a lot less prominence, you know, and uh, prevalence now. Yeah. Yeah. So you're you're just not reading Brightest Day now? Yeah. No, I decided to stop with it. Like I, I, I was still reading why I pre-ordered, mm-hmm. and I don't remember what issues they were, but I read like the chunk of I read a chunk of like five of them in one sitting, and that reinforced to me like like okay, I should be re- I should be waiting for a trade on this. Yeah. Because. Because, like, I got so much more enjoyment out of reading those five at once in a chunk than I did reading all the other issues as they came out individually. So it's like, what what am I even doing? <laughs> so I just decided to stop. Okay, Dan. Got to close this out. Yeah. Uh, so uh, if you want to email us, we're at lanterncast.gmail.com. Our website is lanterncast.com. We all have our own email accounts at lanterncast.com. Uh, Jim, Dan, Jason, Lauren. Chad, James, no Lauren. <laughs> I still have one. I don't understand why. Oh, she'd never check it. That's <laughs> true. <laughs> and uh, forward all my emails to Jim. We uh, we have a Facebook page, um, a forum, <laughs> gallery. You can find <laughs> all of our episodes on iTunes. <laughs> Or on our webpage. <laughs> and our voicemail number is 206-202-1159. Stop! 206-202-1159. Or go to our webpage and look at it. Good night. Good night, Moon.
How you doing? I'm good. How are you? Are you eating right now? Yes. Okay. <laughs> hey, when you reheat pizza, yes. do, you, do you do the whole slice or do you cut it? What do you mean cut it? Like, cut it into small pieces and eat it with a fork. Um, I usually eat it with a fork, but I usually microwave it as one slice first. Mmm. I cut it first, and then microwave it, so the heat permeates it from all sides. <laughs> I'm glad we're getting this on, re- on record. James, this has to go after the episode. <laughs> now, this is important. This is, this is our new cooking tip segment. It's beautiful. Oh, okay. 